Hey guys, and gals, and everyone in between, this is a special episode of Sparkle and Destroy, because I am really pissed off, and I didn't want to do a podcast today. It's Saturday, the sun is shining, Reed and I went out last night and drank probably a little bit too much, I don't really feel like it, but I have to say, like, the experience I had this morning, sometimes you just have an experience where you know you have to share it just because you know that other people would probably benefit from it or you just don't want to be the only one thinking these things. Like I want other people to understand and know that they're not alone in the world the way that I just felt this morning. So to give you some backstory, I have always wanted to write a book. I've been working as a freelance journalist, writer for about 10 years now. And um, that's how I support myself, and I have a lot of deadlines. I can't even remember a time when I didn't have at least a couple things due every single week for a newspaper, magazine, blog, marketing thing, etc. So that's my life, okay? That's what I do for my pleasure. um, I do music because I I love music. I love writing music. I love performing music because it's fun and expressive and I get to be big and crazy. Um, and then of course I do my blog where I just kind of talk about what it's like to be a girl with a guitar in this world. So that's kind of my life. But I always told myself when I turn 30, I'm going to write a book. I don't really believe in arbitrary dates like, oh my gosh, by 25, I should be married and blah, 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 blah. I think that's stupid and just doesn't make sense to me. But For some reason, I just felt like I needed a lot more life experience. And although I've had a pretty crazy time as a young person, especially in the punk scene, I felt like, you know, I'm pursuing my my dreams of being a writer. I'm doing what I want to do for a living. I'm using my talent um, to create money for myself, which is magical. So I'm doing that part, but eventually got to write a book. Another thing I don't really want to do, but I want to do, if that makes sense. It's like a creative goal that scares me a little bit, which means I know that I have to do it. So after this new album comes out, um, which Haley and the Crushers are going into the studio in a couple weeks, and hopefully we will have most of the tracking and stuff done by November, I plan to really get down on this book thing. So in an effort to like actually have my own back and do what I say I'm going to do, because that's really important, um, especially as you get older, like, you know, time, you know, time is a fleeting thing. Sorry to get deep, but it's true. I um, decided I would go to this writer's conference. And I have to say, I'm so thankful that the organizers of the writing conference gave me a press pass because it's kind of expensive and I don't have a ton of money. I'm a writer, <laughs> you know, I don't make a ton of disposable income and we, my husband and I have a house and we have a mortgage and he has a business that he has to put money into. We have records that we're trying to pay for. We've got debt. We've got other things going on. So like as much as this is important to me, I, I'm glad that I didn't have to put money in and I'm glad other people did to support this conference. It looks like the conference is doing very well. I don't want to name the conference. You guys already know what I'm talking about. So it doesn't really matter. I'm not trying to be down on an organizer, be down on an event or say like this event sucks. I don't, I just had a shitty experience today. I had a shitty experience with a particular author and a particular workshop 
And it's not like I came into this thinking, I'm going to go to this workshop. It's going to be magical, inspirational, wonderful, sensitive to me. And I'm a snowflake. Not at all. Like I know that there's different backgrounds and different people and different ways of like living. Like that's fine. I totally get that. But the way that this author conducted his workshop was so distractingly sexist that you can even look through my notes. If you look through my notebook, I should probably post it because it's hilarious. I'm like writing down the things that he's talking about, like his promise to 21 days to a novel and how you can do that. And I like actionable things. So I was like, that's concrete. That's a cool, cool, cool name for a class. We'll do that. Um, I'm going through the notes right now. So I'm like writing down the things that he's saying like, oh, cool. So the dialogue or, or, um, you know, write a letter from one character to the other. And then eventually on day like 12 or 13, um, yeah, maybe day 15, I just stop taking notes and I just start writing about this guy. And I'm like, I have to talk about this on the podcast. This guy is pissing me off so bad. I'm so distracted. Like I'm trying to, this is something women have to deal with a lot. Like they go into an an environment where they're supposed to be learning or one of the gang, so to speak, like they're there to learn, to be part of the group. And the way that they are talked about or treated is so distracting that you like get 10% of the material because you're trying to defend yourself from what's happening intellectually and being like defensive because you're like, this guy's an asshole and I don't want to fucking take that baggage on. So you're putting up this shield and that blocks a lot of the knowledge too because you're like, I'm annoyed. So I tried my best not to be annoyed, but this is basically what happened. So first I'm going to describe what this guy looks like. Not that it matters. I'm not saying this is like a bad way to look, but I just want to give you a picture. And you hear probably hear my dogs in the background clicking around. Mid Middle-aged dude, maybe like 50, kind of pudgy, short, wearing those kind of low-key sneakers that have a lift to him, something a Tom Cruise might wear to give himself some extra height. Goatee, did I say gray goatee, and gray hair. So I come in late. And I realize there's a room in the front of the class. And I'm a firm believer that if you go to a class, you should sit in the front. Why else are you there? Do you want not want to make eye contact with the instructor? Do you not want to really learn anything? Do you want to just be in the back texting? So I just go in the front. I sit in the front. And it almost immediately starts getting really weird. So this guy is giving us all these applications and tools for how to write a book. And in those tools, he creates this example. Like there's an example character. His name is Bob. So Bob is the protagonist of this book. Now I could start with being annoyed here that, of course, the protagonist is a man. We still have an issue in this country where a lot of women are not the main characters of their own lives, let alone books written by men or even women written books. Um, There's a disproportionate amount of men doing things in books Um, being the main dude. And that's fine too. Like I'm not down on men, like having their own adventures. That's fine. But we should recognize that there is a lack of female, um, agency and, and voice and vivaciousness and power in literature, especially in the literature that we all read in a school. So that's the first thing. So Bob, so he says, you know, Bob is middle-aged. Okay cool. Um, 
you know, he's just maybe needs to lose 20 pounds. Okay, cool. I can relate to that. People have weight issues. That's normal. Everyone can relate to that. And then he goes, you know, Bob's at that age where, you know, he's just decided he's going to pick up his guitar again, you know, as men do. You know, men have a, an age where they decide they're just going to play guitar again and really get back to that, that guitar that they learned when they were in college or whatever. Yeah, it's a little annoying. It's like, why couldn't this be a woman? Why couldn't she pick up her guitar again? Why couldn't she be a musician? Why is that? And every, the, the class kind of chuckles like, oh, yeah, it's so true. These, these old men, they, they decide they want to buy sports cars and play guitar again. Like, okay, whatever. So this guy's basically a basic bitch. So he's picking up his guitar again. Fine. I'm not even mad at this point. I'm just like, eh, that's so banal. Like, way to be imaginative, author. So then he says, you know, but his wife, his wife just really doesn't like him playing guitar. You know, he just, he doesn't know why, but she just doesn't like it. Now, this is a huge stereotype that, like, the man is the musician, the man is the artist, the man is creative, the man is doing shit with his life, but the wife, the nagging wife, doesn't like it. Why is it always the nagging wife? Like, why couldn't this be reversed? I've had this exact experience in a long-term relationship where my boyfriend didn't like that I played guitar or wanted to play shows or wanted to be seen in that way as a creative whole being. Okay, I've lived that experience, and yet uh, that will never be reflected back to me. Probably not in in not in media, not in a class like this. So I go, okay, whatever. This is normal. Of course, my story is not something that I'm going to hear from this guy. This guy is different than me. I'm going to give him my ears. I'm going to listen to him. But the the minute that he, the second that he says, and his his wife just really doesn't like him playing guitar, and she's just doesn't like it. She's just always nagging him about it. Really negative, you know, trying to crush his spirit. The guy sitting next to me, who I must say has a extraordinarily long and lustrous gray ponytail, yells out in class, why is Bob's wife being such a bitch? Now there's a couple things wrong with this for me. One, the whole stereotype is tired. It's just tired. Why even rehash it? Number two, this room is mostly women. Granted, mostly older women that are like just coming into their own, probably raised a bunch of kids and now they want to write their memoir, write their story. Um, I don't mean to talk down to what they're doing either. Maybe some of them are wonderful authors that have already produced many works of literature. Probably most of them are well educated because you don't spend Saturday in a writing workshop if you're just like, I don't give a shit about life and I'm gonna drink some Mountain Dew and huff some paint. Like these are, you know, generally educated women. And the third thing is why is it acceptable for someone to yell out, why is Bob's wife being such a bitch at an, an educational setting? Like, I just feel like that's, it made every woman in the room cringe. Like, for so many reasons. Like, if you're a woman, you prob a woman, you probably understand this. Like, this is an archetype that women are put into and chained to. This idea of being the nagging wife, this idea of being negative, this idea of always holding back, you know, your husband. You don't want them to be, to be creative and 
almost like because we have no life and we have no creativity and we have no creative agency, we don't want our husband or our boyfriend or whoever to have that. And that is so just tired in 2017. So all of that really bothered me, especially that this guy is sitting next to me and thinks he has, he has the audacity to like just say that out loud. Like I just found that really fucking rude. That said, in the example, Bob's wife is being a bitch. But why does Bob's wife have to be a bitch? What if Bob's wife has a whole life and experiences and reasons? Maybe Bob's not taking care of the kids. Maybe Bob's really bad at playing guitar and he just sucks and she's like sick of hearing it. Like, here's the other problem. In this example, Bob's wife is the antagonist, obviously. She's the person that is making Bob's life suck and creating conflict in this example book. But, wait, where was I? Yeah, okay. Why does she not have a name? Why is she just Bob's wife? It's just extremely disappointing and telling that Bob's wife would not have a name. Granted, I understand this is like just the person that... um, is it an example novel? But if it's just these two people in the book, why doesn't she have a fucking name? Like, give her a name. And I, I didn't get mad at first because this is just the beginning of the class, okay? This, this literally happens right as I sit down. Bob's wife is a, is a bitch and won't let him play guitar and this tired scenario, and he, she has no name. But I'm like, maybe she'll get a name. Maybe he just overlooked it. Well, let's fast forward into the class, and there's there was never a name for this woman. However... She is the perfect stereotype of what a woman is, like a succubus, um, selfish and emotionally crazy. And I'll give you a couple more examples that he gave. So one example of conflict that he had with his wife was that he comes home and um, his Bob's wife is just livid. She's just mad. And Bob doesn't know why she's mad. But um, she's just ripping him a new one, just going crazy with the hysterics. And as he says, quote, as you can tell from my examples, you know, he's suffered a lot of this abuse over the years. Now, why should we assume that he's been abused? Like, are we saying that Bob's wife has absolutely no reason to be mad at Bob? Like, Bob sounds like a sorry sack. So this is just like an, this is just a, Uh, jumping to conclusions on his part where he decides that the entire class is just going to go along with this because of course it's his wife. Of course she's just a terrible person. So she comes out of nowhere just so angry and mad. Then Bob realizes his two and a half year old daughter is crying. And next to her, their two and a half year old daughter is their seven year old son. But he's staring at him like the kid out of the omen about of the omen. And I'm not even kidding. He said that like the horror movie, the omen, like with dead eyes And that's the moment, he says, that Bob realizes that he has to kidnap his own kids because his wife has turned, not turned him against him, but that they are going to end up just like his wife. That's how he puts it, that it's there. They're just going to end up just like Bob's wife. Boom, 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 boom. Very, very dramatic. I mean... This guy must have a really shitty life. Like, I just imagine this writer, that he's just talking about himself at this point. Like, what the hell? But then he goes into other examples. So more examples as he's talking about different tools for writing this book are 
So there's this guy, his name's Jim, okay? And he's really into sports. And his conflict in life is that he can't find a woman who knows enough about sports. But the way that he puts it is he can't find a, he can't find a woman that can live up to his extremely um, high knowledge of his sports teams that he likes. And then he was like trying to get us to like talk about different sports teams to which one woman said very wisely in the class, talking to a bunch of writers, like, yeah, I mean, some of us are into like football and basketball and stuff, but like we're writers. And she could have also said we're women, but women also watch sports. So I give it to her for like actually saying something like this guy is just being a misogynistic asshole. And this, another example was, all right, 12-year-old boy. No surprise there. Of course it's a boy. 12-year-old boy is learning to um, hit a curveball for the first time. So that's not going to change the world, but it's going to change the boy's world. If I have to read another book about a young boy doing something that a young girl could equally easily do because she is a normal, don't mean that word, but she is an able-bodied person and a full person, I'm going to go crazy. Like this is the problem in a nutshell is that even in the example of a writing class, a woman cannot have any agency. And in fact, she's just going to be a stereotype and everyone's going to swallow it up and go, ha, 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 that author, he really knows his stuff. I was so distracted by this and annoyed by this. And like, I mean, at this point, we're probably like halfway through the class. And I, the only thing I want to say to him is, why couldn't the wife be the one to play guitar? <laughs> I'm still stuck on it. I'm so annoyed. Now, another woman comes into this example, and this is just the nail in the coffin for me. Like at this point, I was like, I'm just gonna leave. I'm gonna leave. This is just too maddening. Um, so the author says, you know, at a certain point, uh, Bob, you know, realizes his wife is having an affair and he doesn't know what's going on with her. He tries to send her flowers and uh, reserve a fancy table at a restaurant because, of course, Bob couldn't talk his feelings out with his wife or figure out what's going on with her. She's just an evil, terrible witch, you know, which we all know women like that. They're just evil, terrible witches for no reason. We, we all grew up with storybooks. That's pretty much what we learned from a, a young age. So essentially, this other woman comes into the story. So because Bob realizes his wife is having an affair, um, at this point, the reader is, you know, very upset for Bob and wants to see good things for Bob. And, and, um, this allows Bob to have some, um, creativity in his own love interest because the readers are on Bob's side. Of course they're on Bob's side. And, um, so he meets another woman, maybe at a flower shop. Yes. A fucking flower shop. Maybe at a flower shop, you know, her name's Jennifer. So first, my, okay, my ears are, are like perking up. She has a name. There's a woman with a name who isn't a total succubus. And then the author continues. So Jennifer, maybe he meets Jennifer at a flower shop. And then later on in the book, we're going to develop the plot a little bit more and um, develop their relationship a little bit more. And maybe he sees her volunteering at the Red Cross, giving out blankets to, to people that need them. Now, at first glance, you think, okay, well, this is actually good because we're talking about women in a different light. She's not a bitch. Uh, no one's calling her a bitch in front of a room full of women writers. Um, she has a name. But this is also a trap. Like, this is another archetype. The, 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 
martyr woman, the woman that is giving. It's like either a woman takes everything away from you and sucks your soul and your alimony, or she gives you everything and has no identity for herself. The mother, okay? The mother that just gives, 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 gives. This is what Jennifer is. This is basically it. So at this point, I'm like looking around at other women in the room like, are you really? And they're asking questions like, so um, would Jennifer like have a, what kind of role would Jennifer play? And how would I do dialogue for Jennifer? And the author's just like, oh, don't worry about that. Uh, what you can do is have, if you want to really like workshop this, just have one character write a letter to the other character. And this is for you, you only, so not for the book itself, but a way to figure out how, what they would say. And just remember, okay, so, so first you're going to have um, maybe come from a place of vulnerability. So the, maybe, the, maybe Bob sends a letter to Jennifer um, or his wife and he's apologizing or something. So he's like at this place of vulnerability, what would he say? What would he do? How would he act like as a real person? Just remember though, and this was the kicker. He says, just remember with dialogue, women usually apologize a lot. So make sure that's what's happening there. Women are apologizing. They're open. Men don't ever apologize. So I, I don't know if this was a joke or not, but like considering all the other terrible shit that he said, I don't really think it was a joke. And he says, you know, men don't apologize. So just that's a side note when you do this dialogue. Yeah that happened, which pretty much made me realize that after the class, there's no reason to talk to this guy because he's not going to apologize. He's probably going to say something about my hair or I don't know, ask me, you know, if I'm doing some flower arranging later, um, probably not very interested in my mind or my capabilities because in a room full of women, mostly women, he decided to disparage and talk down to us and basically make us feel small and shitty. And I'm a pretty self, I have, I have a vision of myself where I have confidence in myself without being full of myself. I just feel like I am able to do shit. I get shit done. Some of these women though are like just getting into this and they're learning. And what a terrible thing to do to a woman to say, Come into this world of, of mostly men, old white men writers. Come into this world. We, we want you. We want to develop your mind and your talents. And now I'm going to just basically solidify every single stereotype that you've had to deal with your entire life from probably your husband, teachers, whatever. Some of these women were probably the same age as him, like in their 50s, meaning that they've gone through a lot of sexism in the workplace, a lot of issues politically with women, uh, issues with, on abortion, issues on women's rights. And they have a lot at stake, you know, they've seen the world change. And for them to like come to this class in 2017, I'm, I've got my defenses up and I'm just like, fuck you. So I'm okay. But these women, I feel really bad for these women that are just wanting a safe space to like learn some skills. And I know there's no real safe space in the world and you can't, create a cocoon. That's not a thing. And I, I really do think that situations like this are good because they get us talking. And when I was leaving the class, the first thing I did was call my husband and go, that was like the worst hour ever. <laughs> and it was a terrible way to spend a Saturday morning. And I tell him everything. And I'm talking about the, the, the man with the ponytail next to me saying, why is Bob's wife such a bitch? 
And this guy who's like walking out of the class too, he notices it and he goes, oh, you, you noticed that too? That bothered you too? So I hung up with my husband. I was like, I got to go. I got to talk to this other guy because I really wouldn't want to, you know, when you're just mad and you just feel like you're like silently seething and you're not sure if other people feel the same way. Like knowing that this guy in the class felt the same way made me so like excited. So I was like, you have to tell me what your take is on this. What's going on here? And he goes, I know. I felt like there was a lot of negativity towards women, the way that he was talking about women. And we both kind of had this theory that like maybe his wife left him or something happened, but it's really no excuse. Like this is not the way that you inspire and create an inclusive space for all people to come together to like learn a new skill. That's not what you do. It's like when you go into a a drum store or a guitar store as a woman and all you see are pictures of like hot, sexy women and guitars and like a bunch of dudes, like basically shutting you out, like making you feel small. Like that, that's what we're used to in these male dominated situations. And the way that he portrayed Bob's wife and Jennifer was just like, if, if you turned it around, it would be like hilarious. People would be like, well, how come Jennifer's husband, um, what's his story? Why is he upset? Let's talk about his feelings. Where does he come from? They'll want to know all these things about him. So I felt really good that this guy totally kind of validated my feelings. And we were just chatting on the way back to the parking lot and, um, he was, he mentioned that there was a panel. I don't know if it was a panel from this conference or a recent one, but he had to tell me about it because I think he was feeling these feelings, but like, didn't know how to express it either. He was just like, this has happened a couple times, the couple, couple workshops I've been to. And then also this panel. And I was like, tell me about this panel. Like, I want to know, I wish I had recorded this, but I didn't. And he said, there was this panel and the author was saying, uh, talking to the audience, uh, a lot of educated people, women, men, probably more women than men. Um, because at these conferences, I feel like a lot of women come for guidance. And, um, he was saying he was, he was writing this book about these, this, uh, co-ed dorm and how the men and the women were showering together. Um, and he called the women vagina people. And he did this in a, like I said, in a crowd full of men and women. And even the the guy I was talking to who was relaying the story to me was like, yes, there were like a lot of women in the room, but, and here's the really key point. All of the panelists were dudes, old white dudes. So when he told me that, I was like, okay, I don't think I need to go to any more of these classes. Like I just feel really defeated at this point. And then as we're chatting, an older white male author just decides to come up to us, interrupt us, because why not? Just interrupt the conversation. To to say to me, I'm going to say something about your appearance. And I, I, I'm i just like, at this point, I just want to like punch someone because I'm just so irritated with the way that my potential and my mind and like who I am as a human being has been like handled and like mangled and handed back to me. And he goes, you know... I, I'm not going to say it though. I'm not going to say it. And I'm like, I don't really care, you know, whatever. But he's completely obliv- oblivious. Of course. He's just like, Oh, I'm just a dude. Like, I don't even know what I'm talking about. He goes, I saw a woman who had blue hair once. Cause I have pink hair. He goes, I, and I, I said, I said something about her hair and she just brushed it off. She didn't say anything. She didn't respond. Isn't that crazy? And I just looked at him and I said, I was born this way. I have pink hair. My appearance is nothing more than my appearance. And he looked at me like, 
oh, another, you know, women's liber, you know, like, oh, I guess I offended you too. But seriously, like, how could you have one hour at a conference and have those two experiences plus the story that this other um, rather woke young man told me? Like, I just had to share it. I don't have an answer to it. I'm not trying to be a complainer, but for anyone that was in that class or anyone that feels like any of those feelings that I felt throughout that class, which I think there are a lot of you out there, you are not alone. Bring it up. Perhaps I should have said something to the guy. Maybe I'll send a link to this, uh, to his email address because he put it on the board. Um, I'm not sure what else can be done except saying not cool, not cool. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to get back to my flower arranging. Sparkle and Destroy is produced by myself, Haley Kane, with help from my husband, Reed Kane. Thank you for EQing it and making it sound awesome. The song that you're hearing is from Haley and the Crushers' Jewel Case, the song Glitter and Glue. If you want to know more about the band, go to at Haley and the Crushers on Instagram. If you want to read my blog, go to www.isyourboyfriendintheband.com. And if you want to send um, the podcast an email or correspondence of any kind, you can email sparkleanddestroypod at gmail.com. Thank you.